good morning and Merry Christmas. Well, it's looking a lot like Christmas, isn't it? I think it's come a little too early, and uh, it's looking a lot more, more like Christmas in Buffalo, New York. I'm glad I'm not there. If you saw photos, they're digging out. Really, they got piled on. But uh, it's, not, it's not the Christmas week. We do have some time. It does seem as if time's flying. Next Sunday does begin Advent. But this week, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, our national day of Thanksgiving, which is a great, great holiday. Think about all the holiday names. Think about the holiday names that we have, national holidays through the year. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is unique amongst all the titles for holidays. Thanksgiving is the one holiday that's titled with an action word. This holiday that's coming on Thursday, it invites us to do something. It invites us to take an action. And what is that action? Give thanks. It's, it's an action that's a verb. Give is a verb. And I came across an interesting article thinking about this. This article was about actively giving thanks. And in this article, it quoted a professor of psychology at the University of California, Davis. He is the founder of a research lab that studies all the effects of grateful living. I thought, wow, this would be great to hear what this man has to say. And the professor said, the word thanksgiving literally means giving of thanks. Yeah, it's straightforward. Thanksgiving is an action word And he wrote, gratitude requires action. And I definitely agree. I agree with that. Gratitude requires action. But what kind of action? Well, it's giving thanks. Giving, of course, that's the verb. Thanks, that's the noun. But if thanks is given, to whom is it given? To what is it given? From a worldly perspective, Some give thanks to Mother Earth or Father Earth or to the birds, the fish, the the sun, whatever. But from a Christian perspective, from a Christian perspective, the object of our gratitude is Almighty God. Now, we talked last week about creation, the expanse, the amazing expanse of creation, billions of galaxies, 2,000 billion, billion stars, all created by God, and God who saw fit to create all that hugeness, but he also created us, human beings, in his image and in his likeness, and he placed us on this single planet amongst this immense largesse of the universe. He created everything that we possess, all that we have, all that we enjoy on this earth. It comes by the hand of God, the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food that we eat, all the materials that are in the world that we use for our daily living to make clothes and to make homes and for technology and transportation and all of it. It comes from God. It all exists by God's hand. He's our creator and to whom we owe everything. So he's our object of gratitude. But not everybody sees it that way. Not everyone sees it that way. This professor in the article that I had uh, mentioned, 
He said this regarding Thanksgiving Day. He said, I think that a reflection of how our lives have been made so much more comfortable by the sacrifices of those who have come before us down through the generations should be the focus of how Thanksgiving should be observed. So Thanksgiving then, it's reflective. Just reflect on those who came before us. Reflect on those who sacrificed to give us the comforts we enjoy. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with thinking of those who've gone before us and they've sacrificed and they've given parts of their lives or they've given their very lives to pave a way for all that we enjoy. Absolutely nothing wrong with reflecting on that. But as we reflect on that, if we do reflect on their sacrifices and that we're enjoying the fruit of what they've done, let's do it with also an acknowledgement of God. The professor never mentioned giving thanks to God. But I want to consider what he did suggest, and that's looking back on those who made the sacrifices for us for just a minute. Those who, who came through the generations How did they express their gratitude? I thought, why not just look at how they did it? If I'm going to reflect on them, and I picked a couple, and that was just a couple of the presidents of the United States, Washington and Lincoln, they wrote proclamations about Thanksgiving. They wrote proclamations of declaring a national day of Thanksgiving. And they didn't write, hey, just be grateful. You know, have an attitude of gratitude, be thankful. No, they didn't write that. They called for overt thanks to be made specifically very specifically, to Almighty God. In in their proclamations, they used words and phrases like this, Almighty God, multiple times, the Lord and ruler of nations, the beneficent Father who dwells in heaven. He does divine acts. He blesses as he sees fit. They mentioned his providence multiple times. They said he's the one who brings deliverance and, and, uh, and blessing. And both of these presidents, they called for national repentance from transgressions and perverseness. Their words, not mine. They called for prayer. They called uh, for repentance and they called for thanks. They called for thanks and gratitude to be given to the God whose attributes they went to great detail to describe. And these are the ones who went before us and they sacrificed of themselves and uh, they, for, for what they've done, we're enjoying the fruits. So if there's any, any action in giving thanks, I say it begins with giving thanks to God. I can be thankful for those who went before me, absolutely, but it begins with thanking God. Now, how might that be expressed? Is it just a a murmuring, I thank you, God? Is it some kind of reflection on God? How is it expressed? What form does it take? And I'll say it's far, far more active. Giving thanks is way more active than just a a moment of reflection. And, And I want to share three biblical examples this morning about Actively giving thanks. And first, we'll consider uh, an example from the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, go to Luke 17. We're going to be about in the middle of this chapter. Jesus is traveling. And he's between the two lands, 
Samaria and Galilee, and he bumps into some men, and he does a great miracle. So let's read about it. It's Luke 17, verses 11 and 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give thanks? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. This is a great passage of scripture, fantastic miracle of Jesus, Ten men were stricken with what was at the time an incurable disease, leprosy. And they were considered by their culture as completely unclean, untouchables. Now, we just went through the pandemic. If you thought that social distancing and masks were a burden because of the COVID pandemic, think about these lepers for a minute. These lepers who were calling on Jesus, they had Isolation, quarantine, and mask mandates and social distancing put on them. The Old Testament book of Leviticus calls for mask mandates, social distancing, and isolation. And it's, it's in Leviticus 13. And I'll just share with you kind of a paraphrase from uh, verses 45 and 46. It says, anyone with such a defiling disease must cover the lower part of their face. There's the mask mandate. They must cry out, unclean, unclean. Well, that was to keep them socially distant. And as long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Well, there's the quarantine and the isolation. And, and that wasn't just for, wow, there's a virus going around and we got to do this for a little while. This was for their life. This was for their life because there was no cure for this thing called leprosy. So these men, these 10 men, they kept their distance. They're shouting to Jesus, hey, have pity on us. And if they get too close, they gotta be saying unclean, unclean. They had evidently heard that this Jesus was a healer and that he had healed many. And Jesus responded, go show yourselves to the priest. It's kind of a weird response, one might think, but that is exactly what Leviticus 13 says. It talks about all this mandates about, you know, cover your face and make sure you stay away from people and shout unclean. But it says, also, you go to the priest and have him examine you to see if your skin disease is getting any better. And the priest, if he sees like, hey, it looks like it's gone, I can declare you clean. Now, that might happen for certain rashes and stuff. It just really was unheard of for leprosy. That didn't happen. But these men, 
They heard Jesus. They understood what he was saying about go see the priest. So they were obedient and they began to make their way to the priest. And on their way, all 10 of them were healed. All 10 of them were healed. Now one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. And I have no doubt that all of them saw they were healed. Leprosy, it can be debilitating. It can cramp up your joints. It's disfiguring. They would have noticed healing. It would have been obvious. And it was certainly obvious to the one who turned back. And he comes back now with a loud voice. He's not approaching Jesus screaming unclean, though. He's not yelling unclean, unclean. He approaches Jesus perhaps for the first time in many years without having to say unclean. Maybe decades. And instead of shouting unclean, he is shouting praise to Almighty God and he falls at the feet of Jesus and he what? He thanked him. His thanks was expressed through praise. His thanks was expressed in praise to God. Now Jesus posed some questions to this guy. Hey, weren't all 10 of you healed? Where are the other nine? Has only one returned? Has only one returned for what? To praise God, to praise God, to show his thanks, to show how grateful he is by just praising the Lord. Jesus verbalized this. This is one mode of expressing thanks actively. Praise God, praise God. But then Jesus brings up something about this guy who returned. Hey, this one who returned, he's a foreigner. Wow. Why does Jesus bring that up? Well, he makes an implication that the others were Jewish. And they really should have known better about who was the source of their miracle. If anyone should be returning and praising God, it should be the ones who know God. But it was the healed Samaritan who returned. And Samaritans, they had kind of a mixed up religion. Yeah, they knew about the God of Abraham, but they worshipped idols. And they had all this amalgamated religion. And perhaps it shocked some that Jesus would even heal a Samaritan. Jesus referred to him, though, not as a Samaritan, but as a foreigner. And it seems like that was a little bit purposeful. He called him a foreigner. The the word uh, that Jesus is recorded as being used by Luke is a Greek word. It's it's called alagones. Alagones. And this Greek word, this word in particular, it's only used one time in the New Testament, but it was used in the temple. It was used in the temple courtyards to ban foreigners from entering certain places within the temple grounds. And there, there was a historian, a guy named Josephus, he wrote about these signs that were in the temple And he said they were written in both Greek and Latin so the foreigners could understand them. And two of these signs have been unearthed. Two that were written in Greek. They have been excavated. And and there's that word, alagones. It's in there. And here's the translation from one of the signs that was unearthed. It says, no alagones. No foreigner shall enter within the forecourt around the sanctuary. Whoever is caught will have himself to blame for his subsequent death. It's a death penalty for the foreigner to go beyond a certain point. Foreigners were not allowed beyond that point in the temple courts. 
And Jesus used this word foreigner. It's kind of a roundabout reference to those who were unclean, but not because of their disease of the skin, but because of their race. They were foreigners, unworthy to approach the very presence of God in the Jewish temple. Yet this unworthy foreigner approached Jesus, and he didn't rebuke him. This unworthy foreigner was worshiping at his feet and thanking him, thanking him for his deliverance. See, it would be Jesus, Jesus who would open a a way into the very presence of God for all people, for all races, for every kindred, for every tongue. There were warning signs in the temple, keep out, you foreigners, No, no, no entry beyond this point. But even the faithful Jew, even the faithful Jew could only go so far. There was a thick curtain that separated everyone from the holiest place in the temple where God's presence rested. When Pastor Noah got up here before he prayed, he read a scripture from Hebrews which talked about that curtain. This was a curtain of separation from God's presence. And Noah read about only the high priest could go in there. Yeah, only the high priest could pass that curtain, but just one time a year. That's it. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, though, that final barrier, there was a great sign that happened. It was torn in two from top to bottom. Matthew, Mark's, Luke's gospel, they all describe the scene. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and that is a sign that we, we heard again in the scripture. A new and living way had opened to the very presence of God through Jesus, because of the sacrifice he made, his sacrificial death. Jesus removed the curtain of sin that separated mankind from the presence of God. And he offered a way for this sin to be removed. How so? Repent and believe that Jesus Christ died for you and paid your penalty for sin. And if you have received that gracious gift, and I know many of you will testify, yes, I've received that gracious gift of God of eternal life through Christ my Lord, Show your gratefulness. Give thanks. Give thanks like the foreigner. Give thanks like the one who was healed, the one who was worshiping at the very feet of Jesus. Let's be like that 10%. There was 10% who came back and did that. Let's be the 10%, not the 90% who received their great healing and then just kept on walking. They didn't come back to to praise God. They didn't come back to say thank you. Let's be the 10% who are grateful. Let's be the 10% who praise God. That is an active way to give thanks. An active way. It's one action that we can do. Praise God for our eternal life. It's an offering of thanksgiving. Number two, another example of how we might actively express our thanks, our gratitude to our God. It comes from Psalm 107. Psalm 107 in the Old Testament. It's a beautiful psalm. I encourage you to read the whole thing. I'm just going to share with you verse 1 and part of verse 2. Psalm 107, it opens, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. This psalm goes on and it repeats a refrain over and over. And it says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them give thanks. Who are them? The psalm that begins, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, it goes on. 
And it tells four stories, four stories of redemption. And I I just want to briefly go right through all four of them. First, those who wandered in deserts and those who wandered in wastelands who were saved by Almighty God, let them give thanks to God. Number two, those who were taken captive and they were imprisoned because they'd rebelled against God. But they turned. They turned and they repented. And they cried out to God. And he saved them. Let them give thanks to God. Three, those who turned against God and suffered afflictions. They lived through trial and tribulation. And they called on God for deliverance. And they were delivered. Let them give thanks to God. Fourth story in Psalm 107. Those who went out on the high seas and they were caught in storms and they were, they were fearful because the ships they were in were threatened. They were threatened to go down to the very depths of the ocean. They called on the Lord in their distress and he heard and he calmed the storm and he hushed the waves. Let them give thanks to God. These four stories in Psalm 107, they're illustrative of many, many of our own lives. Lives wandering, lives lost, lives rebellious, lives imprisoned, in bondage, lives in storms. Many of us can relate to the words and the stories in Psalm 107. And if we've been the ones who've cried out in those times and God has saved us and he has redeemed us and and we were wandering and lost and and imprisoned, but that is no more, it's behind us. If we've been redeemed by the Lord, if we can give testimony of how we were delivered, how he rescued us, how he saved us, then one way to show our gratefulness One way to give thanks is let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Tell God, tell others about what God has done for you. I I believe that that healed Samaritan. If you had heard him shouting praises to God, you're like, hey, buddy, what's going on? Why are you shouting so loud? I'll bet you, I have no doubt, he would have shared his redemption story. Brother, I just got healed. Let me tell you what God's done for me. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Worship God like that that healed man, that giving thanks, that's an action. Telling others what God has done for you. And that is another way of actively expressing our thanks. And then a third example. Another way to actively give thanks is to give. It's to give. Give of ourselves, give of what we have back to God. When King David, the great king of the Old Testament, wanted to build the temple, he wanted to build the house for God. The Lord spoke to him through the prophet Nathan and said, King David, this is not for you. You're not the one who's going to build the house of the Lord, but your son who will come after you. And David was thrilled about this. He was like, wow, this is great. God promised me all these things and and his house is gonna be built through my son. And to prepare for that, David thought, well, 
I can't build it, but I can prepare, I can make plans, which he did. He made plans for the temple of the Lord, and then he began to contribute. David began to contribute to the construction of the house of God from his own, from his own wealth, from what he had. And when you read about it in 1 Chronicles 29, he put in a lot. He started, he was the leader, he's like, listen, we're gonna build God's house, I'm gonna start, here's all I got. He, it was a boatload. And then he began to receive offerings from the people of Israel for the building and for the maintaining of God's house. And they responded. They responded and ended up giving more than David had given. And he rejoiced. What David did was he rejoiced. He was overwhelmed. He rejoiced and he gave thanks that he had the ability to give. And he thanked that the people had the ability to give. I wanna share with you 1 Chronicles 29, verses 13 and 14, 16 and 17. This is David, he's just, he, he, he is overjoyed. And he says, now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand. All of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. David expressed gratitude and thanks to God for the privilege, for the very privilege of being able to give. He acknowledged the attitude of giving generously, which implies this willing heart. And then he goes on to speak about how willingly he gave and the people gave he acknowledged his ability to give. And he said, Lord, everything comes from you. Everything. We have given you only what comes from your hand. That's all we're giving to you, God. It came from you to begin with. Perhaps these, these words from 1 Chronicles 29, perhaps they inspired George Washington when he wrote his Thanksgiving Day proclamation and he wrote, God is the beneficent author of all good that was, that is, or that will be. Again, an acknowledgement, everything comes from him, everything. And making that acknowledgement, it's an, it's an expression of thanks. And it's an expression of thanks to give from what he has given, to give back to his kingdom on earth. It was, it was all his to begin with. Our Bible mentions times. It mentions times of giving quite often. And it does mention specific times of thanks offerings. But at the root of every offering, at the root of every gift, is thanks for what God has provided. God provided that we're able to even give regardless of what the gift is. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he encouraged the people in the city of Corinth to give generously. He said, give generously, give willingly, give cheerfully, 
not under compulsion. He said, give to the Lord's work this way. And what did he wrote? Right? He wrote, your generosity will result in giving thanks. To give tithes and offerings, it's an expression of thanks to Almighty God, and it results in thanks. It, it, has, a, it has a repetitive nature to it. And, and some might think, wow, a tithe, wow, 10%. Well, that seems like so much. I don't know if I can do it. I'll just say that I'm so grateful that when Julie and I were young, we were in our 20s, we just latched on to tithing. We, we latched on to that principle and we never looked back. And God's blessed us. And tithing isn't about giving until it hurts. It's, it's not about pain. No, it's about giving because it's a joy. It's because it, it's a way to express thanks to God. It all comes from him. Like King David, who was overjoyed to give to the house of the Lord. He's full of joy for the giving people. Let, let this Thursday, as you sit down at a, a table somewhere, let it be a reminder to take to heart, not just on Thursday, but every single day, to give thanks. And, and may it be an intentional act. The action of praising God for redeeming your life. You're not a stranger. You're not a foreigner to God. You're one that's been healed of this malady called sin. And you can approach Jesus as, a, as your brother. And there's no barrier. There's no barrier. There's no curtain of separation. He's granted you this miracle of eternal life. So put thanks into action by praising God for that. You've been redeemed. You've been redeemed from death, hell, and the grave. You've got a story. God's brought you through something. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. That's thanks in action. God's the author of everything. Everything that we have comes from his hand. And giving back to his work here on earth through our tithes and our offering, that is thanks in action. Let thanksgiving be more than a few words. Let it be more than just a brief time of reflection around a turkey once a year. Put thanks into action every single day of your life and give thanks. I, I want that to be my encouragement to you this morning. Let's stand and close our service and receive a prayer of blessing that this will be all of us, that this will be our lives, that we will be active thinkers. We will be ones who give thanks, not in some passive, reflective meditation kind of way. Not that that's bad. Again, those are fine things. But let's be these active, active thinkers. Father, in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, our precious Lord and Savior who tore that curtain in two by giving his life on the cross and he won for us eternal life. God, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. 
Lord, and if there's any in this house who have never ever gotten past the torn curtain, they're still feeling separated. They feel like a foreigner or a stranger. God, I just pray they'd hear the word of God today and know they're not a foreigner. No, Jesus welcomes all to his feet in humble repentance. And I pray, Lord, if there's any that, that need to turn to you this morning, they would, and they would see that you're the God who heals, delivers. You welcome all. There is no race, no barrier, no one unclean, no one unworthy, no one. Any can enter enter into your presence in humble repentance and faith, believing you paid the way and tore that curtain into. God, I just pray if there's any in here within uh, my listening voice that you would uh, give them the assurance that that's the truth and they would turn to you this morning. And for, for those here who have called on you as Lord and Savior, God, I just pray this blessing on them that they'd be blessed to actively give you thanks all, all the time every day, not through just mild reflection, but through active ways, biblical ways of praising your name for eternal life. God, oh, for telling others about what you've done, sharing, sharing that, hey, God has helped me, he saved me, he's redeemed me. Giving of what you've bestowed upon us, giving back to your work, your kingdom here on earth, all of it, God. I pray that blessing would just reside on every single one here and as they go, they'd be renewed in it. And that as they celebrate this Thursday, a day that's dedicated to giving thanks, they'd be reminded, I need to do this every day. And Father, we do thank you for it. We do. I put all these prayers, these favors into your gracious hands, knowing you're the God above all who can do anything. You're able to do anything beyond what we can ask or think or imagine. Uh, thank you for it, God. Bring testimonies of you doing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great Thanksgiving.